on this Resurrection Sunday, or commonly known as Easter. We have known it all our life as Easter. Also, as re I love the Resurrection far more than the Easter. Praise the Lord. So if you hear me referring to Resurrection Sunday, don't think that I don't call it Easter too. I call it Easter too. Praise the Lord. Amen. We want to welcome every one of you to our resurrection service, and I pray that the word of God would dwell in your hearts, which they want to say to my brother, welcome to Harvest DFW. Thank you for coming to worship with us today. I pray your experience here today will bring you great joy and happiness, and that the news of the resurrection will continue to remain and abide in you. We want to say to our sisters, uh, Priscilla, we want to thank God for his deliverance power that God delivered you, hallelujah. Delivered not only you alone, but us as a church. Because uh, when, one body, when one part of the body hides, God suffers the whole body. So it's not only you alone, but us also. But we want to thank God for his delivering power. And God who has seen you through will continue to keep you. And his healing power will continue to rest upon your life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. God is good. In all the time. Hallelujah. The empty tomb, empty, the empty tomb, our what? Our victory is the empty tomb. Amen. So it's the empty tomb, our victory. That is our victory. Praise the Lord. The tomb still remain empty today. Even Joseph who has prepared his tomb to to be buried in, didn't even get buried in the tomb. <laughs> Amen. Amen. He borrowed, Jesus borrowed that, that tomb was a borrowed tomb. You know, it was not for, I mean, it was not specifically built, I mean, constructed or built for Jesus. Usually they, uh, they did burial in tombs during those days. Many burial was done in tomb. Uh, cave in the rock and put a big hole in the rock, rock and they put the body inside, wrap the body and put it inside. There were some places then that some tomb hosted many bodies in history. There were some tombs that hosted many bodies because if the body is still there, how the body was prepared during this time, it decayed and it turned into bone, and the bones were taken out, and someone else could use that tomb. <laughs> you, you understand me? So there were some tombs that hosted many, many bodies. But the tomb that was borrowed by Jesus to be used, he's borrowed that tomb to be used that was borrowed by him, is still empty until today. Amen. Amen. The stone was rolled away and the tomb remained empty. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, amazingly, when you get to the tomb, when you get to, to where the tomb is in Jerusalem, you will come to find, you will see there's a tree that is right up, I mean, in front of the tomb, and this tree had an insignia of a cross. 
it, it's just amazing. It has a cross, a tree, living tree, with a cross over it, I mean, on it. And so there are lots of things that you will see when you get to Jerusalem concerning the, the reason why Jesus came to earth. The purpose Jesus came to earth, that was it, to what? To save man from his sin, us from our sin. Praise the Lord. Amen. Though it was a hard process, but he made it to the end. Amen. That's why the Bible says, after all things were accomplished, he said what? It is finished. Father, then he concluded into the hymn, I commend my spirit. So all things, it means that everything was done as the Father needed it to be done. He satisfied all the Father desired. Everything obedient to the one to the letter. He was obedient to the letter. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. How many of us can say we we are obedient to the letter? Yeah? Amen. Not getting not too far from getting there. They, they, they act obedient one day, they act disobedient the next day. So you find out they're obedient and they, they, they disobedient is more than they're obedient. Hmm? But Jesus was obedient to the end. He was obedient in everything. Praise the Lord. And that's why we as children of God need to strive for, strive for obedience. Amen. Amen. I can tell you God holds obedience in such a way that if you understand obedience, your life will never be the same. You will see so much blessing in your life as a result. God does not play with obedience. And he deals very highly with disobedience. Amen. I must tell you, Saul lost a kingdom because of disobedience. Because of what God told him, he tried to he tried to help God. You know, he tried to help God. He tried to help God. And what do I mean by he tried to help God? There was a war going on, and Samuel said, "Do not." Touch that sacrifice on their account. And he tried. He, because Samuel was, has delayed and the people was complaining, he listened to the voice of the people and he went and stood in the place of a priest. And God said, Samuel, through the mouth of Samuel, to obey is better than to sacrifice. Praise the Lord. Amen. So, as we walk in our Christian world, as Jesus was obedient, even to the death of the cross, the Bible says, in the death of the cross, he was obedient, so we must be willing to be obedient. Amen. Amen. The empty tomb, our what? Our victory. Praise the Lord. The empty tomb is our what? Is our victory. You know, there, are many, there have been many battles that have been fought in life. A lot of people have fought battles. There have been a lot of wars that have been fought. 
There have been a lot of victories that have been won. But the victory that Jesus won on the cross and the resurrection of him from the dead, there has not been anything like that since the world begun. Amen. Amen. Because men fight, we fight physical battles. Many times we are used to fighting physical battles. We want to see physical battles. Even the children of Israel, they told Jesus, uh, come, uh, Jesus' appearance on earth was to win a physical battle for them. Praise the Lord. They, they thought it was a physical battle. Jesus said, no, this is not what I came for. Praise the Lord. I came to win the hearts of men back to God. Praise the Lord. And so there are many battles that have been fought in life, but the greatest battle victory that history can recall is the triumphant victory that Jesus won, won for you and myself. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And I can tell you that Jesus needed no assistance in winning the battle. Amen. He needed no assistance from any man to win the battle. This is why when Peter even tried to fight for him in the Garden of Gethsemane, the word of God tells us that what? The high priest seven years that Peter cut off with the soul, Jesus took that high priest seven years and put it back. And he said, if I need, if I need assistance, heaven can send legions on my behalf. Praise the Lord. If I need assistance from, I don't need you to fight for me. So Jesus don't need, he doesn't need us to fight for what? For him. He can fight his own battle. Hallelujah. He is the captain. He is the one. He is the captain of the host, the army. Praise the Lord. This is why when Joshua saw this man with the sword drawn, he asked him, Who have you come? Whose side are you on? Praise the Lord. And he said, I'm the captain of the host, of the Lord's host. So Jesus don't need us to fight his battle. Amen. Jesus didn't need them to fight his battle. He fought the battle for him, what? himself. He went through difficulties for himself. And you know, there is a song that says we, we must walk this lonesome valley. We have to walk it all by ourselves. No one can walk it for us. We got to walk. There, many times we want people to always walk, walk things with us. Amen. If no one there to walk it with you, you complain, you grumble, you, you, you make all kinds of noise. There are times in life that you have to walk things alone. You got to go alone. Praise the Lord. And this is why David understood. He said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear evil. Because I know who is with me. Amen. It is not the person that is on my right. It is not the person that is on my left. I walk through this lonesome valley all by myself. Because I know the Lord is with me. Hallelujah. Amen. 
Hallelujah. And so when you understand that when you when we come to that understanding that the battle, the victor battles in life that we encounter, that we face, there are times in life that you must walk in. Jesus didn't need his disciple to walk in for him. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He didn't need them to walk in for him. He walked it all by himself. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So I want to encourage you on the resurrection morning that you and myself need to know that the resurrection is very important. Amen. Amen. Jesus didn't rise from the grave on today. Hallelujah. You know, some of us, I mean, the way we make it to sun, many of us try to make it to sun like Jesus is risen just today. It was 2,000 plus years. Jesus rose from the grave. And he had never been, he didn't go back then. Every year he doesn't go back in the grave to be risen again. Hallelujah. It's a commemoration. We commemorate this time. We, we, we remember this time of the victory that he won for you and myself. Amen. That's what we usually do every year to commemorate. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. So many times we say, well, Jesus, I mean, coming from the grave. No, some people have the mindset that he just been risen from the grave. No, it was 2,000 plus years ago, almost 3,000 years ago, Jesus rose from the dead grave. Hallelujah. And so this, after, this afternoon, I'll be sharing three important things that the resurrection did for the empty tomb. Three lessons that we can learn from the empty tomb. Praise the Lord. The empty tomb still gave testimony today that Jesus has triumphed triumphed over the three life deadliest enemies. Hallelujah. Three of life deadliest or dreadliest or the three of life enemies the resurrection depicts it. Amen. When you understand the resurrection, when you understand what the resurrection is all about or the empty tomb, it still gave testimony today that Jesus triumphed over life's most deadly enemy. Praise the Lord. And what are life's three most deadly enemy? Praise the Lord. I can tell you the life three most deadly enemy, life three most deadly enemy. First is, is sin, is what? Is death and hell. These are life three most deadly enemy. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So the empty truth gave us victory over sin, over hell and over death praise the lord that's what that's what the empty tomb the testimony that empty tomb gave us today the victory over these things i can tell you for a fact that sin you know you and myself know for a fact that the empty tomb announced a victory over sin sin can be considered as if 
we talk about sin in our today's language, you would you you want to classify sin as public enemy number one. Eh? It's enemy number one. Because it was through sin, it was sin that brought Jesus into the world. It was sin that brought death. Do you know that? It was sin that brought death in the world. There was no death in our world until sin came. Amen. So, sin can be considered our public enemy number one. Here was the last thing that happened when God chose Satan or Lucifer and his wife and his angels from from heaven and so a place had to be, although it had not been fully prepared, ready for them yet, but hell has been prepared for, is prepared for the devil and his angels. Praise the Lord. That's why hell, that's where hell is prepared. And all those who are always like to add, the addition is, and all those who chooses to go there. Because the choice of going to hell by man is a choice that a man makes. Amen. Amen. It's the choice that we make that will send us, send anyone to hell. It is not God that's sending anyone to hell. Praise the Lord. God God has shown us the way to avoid going to hell. Hell is prepared for the devil and his wife. It's being prepared for the devil and his wife. Hell has not been, hell is not open yet. No one is going to hell yet. So I can tell you that. Because the devil is there is not in hell yet. Huh? You know that the devil is there not in hell yet? The devil is there not in hell yet. So the souls of those who die, who unrighteous people, their souls are being their, their souls are being who I don't want to get into all this theological stuff, but it is being kept until that day when they will be finally sent to hell. When Jesus said, you said, depart from me, you walk us of iniquity, I know you not, and will be cast into everlasting damnation. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So hell is the, hell is being prepared. That's why when you send the devil to hell, (laughs) devil I send you to hell, the devil said, you can't send me to hell. You don't have the power, we don't have power to send the devil to hell. Hmm? <laughs> Many of us are team on Devil sent you to hell. Devil said, That's why when even Jesus himself was on the face of the earth, when the demon, the, the, the demons that was in that man, uh, Jesus took permission and said, Let us go into the swamp. Huh? Jesus himself didn't send them to hell because it is not the time yet. It is not the time. When the time comes, it is God who will what? Who will send them to hell. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So I want you to understand these things that sin is public enemy one, number one. In St. John chapter 8, verse 24, Jesus talked about sin. Nearly every problem in our society is rooted in individual sin. Every problem. If you look at the drugs problem in our society, you look at its root, you find out that sin 
is the underneath fact. You look at economic problem, you will look at, you find out that sin, greed, and all these things. Sin is the problem. Mm -hmm. If you look at a uh, problem with, 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 with children that are high school, children that are out there, no father, no mother, you look at it, children that are rude, and children that are rude, I mean, that is not being guided in all these things, children, fatherless children, motherless children, you find out that sin is the problem. Adultery, as a result of that, or as a result of uh, uh, immorality, so sin is the root cause of what? The problem that we face in society. And I can say to you, no matter, you cannot legislate on sin. No legislation can be passed on sin. Eh? You know that? No, you can't. The government can legislate on sin. Even the government themselves tell you to sin. You tell people to sin. Mm -hmm. So, no... So sin is some, I mean, is one that is inherent as the result of the fall of men. And that's why you don't have to teach a child to sin. A child born today as the newest baby that is born from Gabriel and says <laughs> Joyce. Yeah? They will not have to teach that baby how to sin. It's, it's a nature that is passed on. And the result of Adam's sin. And all of us is born in the world with that nature. The Bible tells us for all, all has sinned. All have sinned and come short, short of the glory of God. Praise the Lord. So sin is public enemy number one. And when you and I become a Christian, God doesn't just save us from the consequences of sin. He gave us the power to overcome sin. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. God just doesn't save us from sin, from the consequences of our sin. Praise the Lord. Amen. Because you know it is the consequences that a lot of people are afraid of. Mm -hmm. But besides the consequences, God gave us power to live above that sin. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Some of us, to, I mean, if God has not given us power to live over that sin, some of us will still be saved and still living all kinds of life. Why, why are you able to say no? It is the power that God has given, given to you to be able to say no to sin. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. And the Bible says, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 says, this is the victory that we have. Yeah? yeah. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. This is the victory that we have. The victory that we have as believers is the power that God has given us over sin. For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the what? Overcomes the world, and this world that we're referring to is not just a, is not is not the the trees and the mountains. It, this is cosmos. This is what the Greek or I mean the Hebrew or Greek or the cosmos world. It means that the world system, the sin 
things, the things that are sinful in our world. It says that whosoever is born of God overcomes the what? The world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Praise the Lord. Our faith gave us the victory to be able to overcome the world. Praise the Lord. Because we need to overcome. The Bible, if you read Revelation, many times in Revelation, the churches there, one of the words that was used there over and over is, He that overcome. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You got to learn to overcome things in this life. Amen. You will not live a successful Christian life if you don't like to overcome. Amen. Amen. If you continue to fall, continue to fall, every day you fall in. You will not live a successful Christian life. Hmm? Every day you fall in. God will say the day you get tired of falling. When you stand up, then. Yeah? God will say, because every day you fall in. How you want to go to the next level in God, and every day you fall in. You look at the ground, you say, I will stop my toes. Huh? So for you, us to live a successful Christian life, as Christians, we must learn this simple word to learn to overcome. Hallelujah. Amen. If you can cause you that we learn how to overcome cursing. If you can lie, you have to learn to overcome lying. Eh? You got to learn how to overcome it. You can be cursing all. You Christian five, ten years and you stay cursing and you stay doing all kinds of stuff. But still you call yourself Christian. It's not that you're not saved, but you have not overcome. And the Bible says that he that overcome, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So if we will live successful Christian life in this world, that people of the world will come to know Jesus Christ, we have to learn this simple word, overcome. He that is born for whatsoever is born of God. John said, whatsoever, once that thing says it is born of God, it has an ability in it to overcome. Amen. You understand it? It has an ability in it to overcome. So don't tell me that you can't overcome that habit. Stop telling me, Pastor, I can't overcome the habit. I think I would, they have it will kill me. Some people say I think they have it. Some people can say I think they have it will kill me. Mm. This drunkenness will kill me. <laughs> they know, or they lying, they think it will kill me. They don't have to kill you, you can overcome it. Because the greater ones live within you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The world. Praise the Lord. The Bible says there is no temptation that take you that is not common to man. But God, say but God. But God will give you the ability to what? To overcome. Hallelujah. God gave us the ability to what? To overcome. Whatsoever, whatsoever is born. One that thing says born of God, it, it has the ability to overcome the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the empty tomb gave us the empty tomb. Testify that we have the ability to overcome sin. Amen. Amen. I'm not saying sin will not come our way. Sin will come our way. 
Temptation will be tempted. Jesus was tempted in every stage of life. Who said Jesus was not tempted by woman? There was one man with me in Jesus' name. Some of you think that Jesus was not tempted by women. Jesus was tempted by women. No farm man women in Mary Magdalene and no women who were beautiful women. They were not ugly women. Mm -hmm. The Bible says he was tempted in all ways. In everything he was tempted. So it is not only the devil taking him on the half mountain. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because that one we read, we read those few temptations. We say, all right, only the temptation Jesus was tempted in. But the scripture itself revealed to us that you are tempted in all ways. I mean, in everything of life. Every temptation that you and myself face with, he went through it. Hallelujah. Amen. But we all sin. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so, as a result of that, he was able, because you were born of God, he was able to what? Overcome the world. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. What if Jesus had messed up? Huh. Can you imagine? Have you ever thought about it? What if Jesus has messed up? And you know, started to rub shoulder with those with those guys in, in those Sadducees and Pharisees and said, Oh, just drink a little for his stomach. Just do this, just do that. And when you look, oh you can you can hire your girlfriend, Jesus. And, and, and all the kinds of things begin to happen. What if? What if? Huh? Praise the Lord. But he was tempted in all these things. But with all sin. He did not sin. He remained faithful to the mission. Praise the Lord. So victory over sin. And that is what God wants us to rise up to. It's not that we will not be tempted by sin. We will be tempted daily. We face temptation. It is some of you will have to close your eyes. When some people very be passing, some of you, oh, tell you, say, you, the women, oh, you, crazy that you're the most beautiful. <laughs> and, you know, the men that be making you to say, well, wow. And, you know, all the intention is to get in your pants. Mm? They'll be telling you all these sweet, sweet things then. You know, it's not wrong if a man praise you, if you are single and you look at if a man praise you, or even if you marry, but keep your eyes on your goal. If that man won't get in your face before you get married, say, no, get, we need to marry before you can get in your face. <laughs> Don't, you're not bringing that zipper down until you want to marry me. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So, <clears throat> Jesus, the empty tomb, still gave testimony today that Jesus triumphed over not only sin, but over death. Death. One of man's greatest enemies. <laughs> Do you know that death is... Who here, are you scared of? Who here, who here is not scared of, who here not scared of death? <laughs> 
Some everybody will want to die, but no one want to go now. Hmm? Praise the Lord. Miss First Corinthians chapter fifteen, verse twenty-six. The statistics in America. Let me give you a statistics in America. Can I give you a statistics in America? No, now it's statistic. Now I'm going to the statistics in America. But statistics tell us. Let me tell you what statistics tell us about them. Statistics tells us that one out of every one person dies. <laughs> Huh? One of every one person that will die or die. So that means everybody will die. Just a general conclusion. But put it on, on statistics. We put it on statistics to make it look more beautiful. And one of every one person will die. That's what statistics tells us. Praise the Lord. And death is man most hated enemy. Man hate death. That's why we cry bitterly when someone leaves us. Whether the person die in Christ or not, we still cry, we still mourn, we still roll. Some of us want to go in the hole with them. Eh? That's why when <laughs> that's why when someone be going, most people when they person be going the whole day. I'm going to go over there and you sit there and check and break. Say, no, you don't have any job today. We will come with them. Praise the Lord. You see someone cry, it's better they want to go. I won't go, I won't go. You can't go, you can't leave me here, you can't leave me here, but when they get me the whole night and they check. <laughs> Say, I will see you in the street by and by. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The Bible tells us that the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. The last enemy in the uh, Paul tells the Corinthians, say, the last enemy that will be destroyed is who? Death. Death is man's most hated enemy. But Jesus defeated death. Jesus what? Jesus defeated the enemy of death. Let us read 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 10. Jesus wiped up death completely. 2 Timothy 1 10. 2 Timothy 1 10. But has not, but has not, not been revealed by the appearance of our Savior Jesus, who has abolished death in broad life and immortality to the life through the gospel. So the Bible tells us that Jesus abolished death. As far as Jesus, as far as death is concerned for the Christian, for the child of God, for one who has giving his or her life, or the one who will give his or her life to Jesus Christ, death has been abolished for them. Amen. 
All we do is we pass from when we when we sleep, we pass from what? From death to life. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. It has been, death has been defeated. Amen. Death has been abolished by Jesus. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. And that was what the empty tomb represented because if Jesus had not died, praise the Lord, Amen. to defeat death, death would still have his what? Death would still be walking around making a lot of shows. This is why Paul, Paul asked the question. If we read from verse 54, the same first Corinthians 15, 54 to 57. There was questions that were asked by the Apostle Paul. 1 Corinthians 15, 54 to 57. He says, So when the corrupt, when this corruptible have put her in corruption, and this mortality have put her in mortality, then shall be to brought to us the same, as it is written. Death is swallowed up in one victory. The resurrection was the victory. Death has been swallowed up in what? Victory. Let us continue reading. Verse 55. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, death, grave, where is your victory? 56. The sting of death is what? Sin. And the strength of the sin is the Lord. But thank thee, but thank thee to God, who gave us the victory through our Lord Jesus. God has given us the victory over them through Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I will just give you a quick, the company that I work for, the, one, the man who started this company died, I think, at the age of 76 or so. And when he died, he was, he was worth, he was worth 40 billion when he died. 40 billion when he died. And he died from leukemia or cancer. Some kind of cancer is called. And he that, that, that's why he died for. With a man having $40 billion, if money could have saved him from dying, those billions would have saved him. Imagine at that time, 1992, he was worth $40 92. As compared to now, right now, if he was living, he will walk. He walk more than I'm, I don't know how many because his children, his children alone, his three children, there, they are practically the three richest. I mean, when you put all the wealth together, they are the richest in the world. Richard and Jeff Bezos, Richard, yeah, both all three of them when you put their money together. You understand me? But uh, his money could not save him from death. His money could not save him from death. His education, his all his business skills that he had could not save him from death. Nothing could save him from death. So death will come to everyone. Death will visit everyone. The message of the resurrection is that we don't have to fear death. Because there are track leading both in and out of the world, out of the tomb. Praise the Lord. Amen. We don't have to fear death. Amen. Amen. I'm not saying go kill yourself. 
But don't be afraid of them. Amen. If your child comes to go, go. <laughs> Hallelujah. When you transition to this world, or this world, you to a new, you you to a better place, to a new life. Amen. When the word of God declared that there's no more sicknesses, no more disease, no more crying how you pay bills, no more coming to repossess anything from you, repossess your, your ear or your nose. <laughs> Hallelujah. No more coming to repossess anything from you, your car, your house, because you did it. No more coming to repossess. Hallelujah. So the, rep the repo man, the repo man is far away from you. No repo man can reach you. Amen. 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 So death come, but thank God for Jesus. That the resurrection, it was because of the resurrection. He gave us the assurance that if Jesus came back from the dead, if God raised Jesus from the dead, God has promised us also that we will be raised from the dead. Amen. Amen. We will not sleep. We will not die hopelessly. Praise the Lord. So the resurrection is important. Praise the Lord. And finally, is victory or hell? Praise the Lord. You know how someone, this guy described hell, there's a guy that described hell as the dark background on which a brilliant picture of the gospel is printed. It's a dark background. Yeah? Hell is the dark background on which a brilliant picture of the gospel is printed. You get in the picture? And why will why will someone give such an analogy concerning hell? Because we need to really remind it, because there are people, but with all the background, you have no picture. If you didn't have this background, you will not have a picture. If you didn't have that background with the brilliant picture of the one, of the gospel, you wouldn't have a picture. With all the background, there is no picture. Every picture has a background. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so it is the background. People look at your background. Many times people look at your background. Eh? When you take a picture, people look at your background. Even though they're looking at you on the picture, but they're still looking at your background. They want to see probably where you are. Probably you are near the sea. You understand me? Uh, you are on the beach. That's your back, your background will depict where you are. Am I right or wrong? If you in if you in better, better I mean harvest, you get this blue background with the cross. Say, oh, so someone's here. And look at harvest then. This person standing in harvest. Praise the Lord. So a background with all the with all a background. There will not be a one, there will be no picture. With all, with all an enemy, there is no victory. And so statistics tell us in America that people with people in America, 
52% of American people believe in electoral health. Only 52% believe in there is a real health. And 48% believe that there is no hell at all. 48% to bring it to the 100% that we're talking about. Praise the Lord. But I'm telling you, while we believe in there is a hell, there is a hell. There is a place called hell that God is, has, is preparing or has prepared for the devil and his angel because the Bible says it. We believe it because the Bible what? says it. The Bible teaches that there is a hell. So if people come to you and tell you, say, well, there is no hell, I know the 52% in this, I mean, for the 8%, can you say, well, there is no hell. And just enjoy yourself. God is a good God. God is not a bad God. You can enjoy yourself and do what you want to do, and you stay, heaven belongs to you. The Bible teaches that there is a one, hell. And Jesus spoke about hell more than he spoke about heaven. If you read in the Bible, there are 54 times that the Bible talks about hell. Talks about hell. There is a place called hell. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And why I believe in hell? Because justice demands it. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, the Bible says it is what? Justice demands hell. Why I believe there is a hell? Because justice demands it. Hebrews 9, 27 says it is what? It is appointed unto men what? Once to die, and after that, the what? The judgment. As it is appointed to, for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. So it tells you, from, from this scripture, it tells you and myself that there is a hell. Praise the Lord. Because a judgment day is coming, the sheep is separated from the goat. Yeah? The sheep will be separated from the goat. It tells you justice demands it. Praise the Lord. Amen. And so you and I, the problem of our society is not that people don't fear death. The problem is that they don't believe in hell anymore. It's not that they don't. A lot of people are afraid of death, but they don't believe that there is a hell. You talk about a lot of people now, they tell you, say, there is nothing called hell. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. There is nothing called what? Hell. Romans 3, 23 says what? All have seen and come short of the one, of the glory of God. The empty throne is that Jesus defeated hell on our behalf. The mistaken notion that all good people go to heaven is not true. Amen. By you being a good person, it doesn't guarantee you going to hell. To hell. Huh? A lot of times people think because they're good, they will go to hell. Oh, the man was a good man. The woman was a good woman. The person was a good person. That's not a guarantee that you're going to, hell, to, to heaven. It's not a guarantee.
Don't let no one deceive you that by you being good or when the message of goodness is, oh, because the person is a good person, so if they die, they go into heaven. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Good people don't go to heaven. You know that? Good people doesn't go to heaven. How many know that? Who, who are the people that go to heaven? Forgiving people, people who are forgiven. <clears throat> who people who are what? Forgiving. Forgiving people goes to heaven. People who ask God to forgive them of their sins. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I love, as God who said, I love a writer who said, God will not send anybody to hell because of sin, but because they reject Jesus. Because you reject Jesus, this is why you go to hell. Because God has shown you the way. He has given you the way to heaven. And you reject it. So if you reject Jesus, it means that you have rejected God's way, God's plan, God's way of entering heaven. Praise the Lord. So I want to encourage you. The empty tomb is the empty tomb is that Jesus defeated hell on our behalf. Jesus has defeated hell. We don't have to go there. None of us have to go there. Praise the Lord. Hell is prepared for the devil and his angel. Hell was not prepared for man. Huh? Hell was never prepared for man. It is prepared for the devil, those who rebel against God, the devil and his angel that rebel against God in heaven. That was that is why hell is prepared for, not for mankind. But a man can choose to go to hell. But the empty tomb tells us that Jesus defeated hell. And because Jesus defeated hell, Jesus overcame hell for us. Jesus wiped all hell away from us. We don't have to go there. Hallelujah. That is the joy of the empty tomb. Praise the Lord. What if Jesus, what if Jesus had not risen from the dead? The argument that Paul, Paul brought up. What if Christ had not risen from the dead? All that we're doing here will be a waste of time. Amen. 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 It would have been a waste of time. Paul argued, oh, he said, look, what if Christ has not raised from the dead? Or, or, or what? Our, our whole salvation, the whole salvation plan would have been destroyed. It would have been meaningless. But thank God that the resurrection power, the resurrection of Jesus Christ gave us the victory, gave us the hope that, look, I myself, if God raised Jesus from the dead, that same power, see that same power, is available to me to raise me from the dead. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. And cause everything that dead within me Amen. to come alive. Amen. 
Amen. Everything that, 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 that is there within me, in my mother, whether in my mother body, in my spiritual life, can come alive again. That same power. Praise the Lord. And that same power is available today for you and myself. That same power is still around here today. It is for us to access as God's children. When we access the power of God, we know that there is a hope. Amen. That if we close our eyes on this earth, we find ourselves on the other side. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Whether young or old, you close your eyes on this side, you find yourself on the other side. And you know the other side is more precious, more beautiful, more rewarding. In Jesus' name. So the resurrection gave us the hope. And this resurrection Sunday, I don't know what has died in your life. I don't know what has died in your life as a child of God. What is dying? But the, the, on this Resurrection Sunday, it can be brought back to life again. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. It can be brought back to life. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Because the Lord has given us the victory. Yes. Amen. We are not fighting for victory. We are fighting from victory to victory. Amen. That's the joy of the Christian world. Praise the Lord. Amen. That I, as a child of God, am fighting from a place of victory. Because Jesus has already won the victory. The battle is over. I don't have to fight. I work in the battle from a place of victory. Because I know I'm a winner already. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. I know that I'm entering a battle that have, that have been won already. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I just need to remind the devil, look, devil, Jesus defeated you 2,000 years ago. And I'll choose to walk in my victory right now in Jesus' name. I don't care how you feel about it. I don't care how you think about it. I have the victory in Jesus' name. The victory is mine in Jesus' name. And so I want to encourage you this Resurrection Sunday as you leave this church, walk in your victory that Jesus won. Hallelujah. He won the victory. The victory is won. The, the battle was won long ago. You now fight you from a place of defeat. You are not defeated. Praise the Lord. Stop looking down on yourself as defeated. Stop looking down on yourself as not, nothing. Know that the, the king of kings that won this earth won the victory for you and myself. And you need to rise up as a child of God and walk in that victory. In Jesus' name. That you know that these three most deadly things that men fear don't have anything on you. Hallelujah. Death doesn't have anything on you. Hallelujah. You can overcome sin. Hell don't have anything on you. It is not your what? It is not your destination. Your destination is not what? Well, hell. Hell is not your destination. It has nothing on you because of what Jesus did for us when he rose from the grave. Amen. Let's stand to our feet this afternoon. Hallelujah. Thank God for the victory. Thank, thank God for the victory that has been won in Jesus.
the victory that he has given to us. I want you to lift your voice and just thank him for the victory. Oh God, Lord, we thank you for the victory. Thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for the resurrection. The empty tomb, the empty tomb is our victory. Thank you, Lord. Lift your hands to heaven. If you are here this afternoon, this Resurrection Sunday, and you say, Things are died in my life, and I want it to resurrect again. I want to come to the altar quickly. I want to pray for you. If there is any dead thing in your life that you want the Lord to resurrect on this Resurrection Sunday, come to the altar quickly.
Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. For your anointing that brings
Healing that is in the blood. Healing, deliverance. The Bible says by his stripes we were healed. We are healed. Those stripes that Jesus received on his back was for our healing. And I believe that as you partake this first Sunday, some of you are going to experience divine healing. Amen. 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 You may have been struggling with some health problem and be believing God. This resurrection Sunday, God has the spare parts and the ability to heal you completely. That part that is defective in your body, God can restore. God can put in a new part. Just as the car dealers have the spare parts sold. Hallelujah. Heaven has spare parts for us. Hallelujah. I want you to believe the word, believe, believe God can replace anything in our body that is defective. So I want you by faith, by faith as you eat today, I want you to eat in faith. Trusting God for your healing, for your deliverance. Some of you, you may be struggling with an addiction or with something. Believe as you partake that that addiction, the appetite will completely go away in the name of Jesus. This is a day of resurrection. Things that have died in your life must come alive again in Jesus' name. So believe as you partake today that God is going to work a miracle on your behalf in Jesus' name.